Praise God. Can we stand and give God some glory this morning? How many of you are glad to be in the house of God today? It's getting a little cooler, so if you're cool in the building, the best way to get warm is to get the bud pumping and start moving. So can you begin to lift your hands and give God praise? Lord, we thank you. We bless you for allowing us to be in this place again. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy, and we pray that your anointing is felt throughout the building, that every stronghold, uh, Lord God, is broken, that every shackle is broken. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise.
Bible says that we are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God has been doing different things in different people's lives all this month long. And today I want to give about two or three minutes for somebody to give their testimony uh, to help us to overcome. So as we sing He's Worthy, we'll know why we're singing He's Worthy. Jamie, can you come for a second? And just for a couple of minutes, share your testimony with the congregation uh, for what God is doing for you. God, Jamie got delivered from her final thing last week, and we want to give God the glory for it. Jamie is giving glory to God today. Still struggling, Pastor. But God has delivered me from many things in my lifetime. Many things. And last week, God moved on my heart to give Pastor my vape. And I've been struggling all week long. And you, we all know there's a devil out there that's fighting us. And he's tricky. And he's got me back on my vape. But it has been two weeks since I've had a cigarette. I still have the vape. It's going in the name of Jesus. It's going. But two weeks without cigarettes, and this is the third time I've quit in my lifetime, this will be the final time. Because God has showed me that it is for his glory for his honor and his praise, that he cleans this vessel up so that he can use me further, less of me and more of him, so that his glory can shine through and so his praise can come forth. In my lifetime, all I want to do is empty myself out and give him more room so that he can just have a place in me and fill me further and use my hands to glorify him and reach those that need it. So I hope that you see that even though you can struggle, you can still cry out to God. He will hear you. He will answer you, and he will meet you. He will still fill you. He will still give you peace, and he will still get his glory in the end. I'm not finished yet. I'm a work in progress, but I praise God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will continue to do. So stay tuned because God has more for all of us. Praise God. Now I want us to do something different today. We're going to sing this song again. I know it's different from the normal rhythm of service. You're ready for me to talk. But today I want you to think about what God's purpose is for your life and what you need to give up to be closer to him for him. All of us have something that we need to lay at this altar and lay at his feet just like Jamie does and just like Chrissy did. We're not exempt, whatever that is. Sometimes it's hard to give it away because it seems bigger. But I want you to know that the God you're giving it up for is bigger than the thing you're giving up. So as you sing, you're worthy of it all today. I want you to lift your hands. And when you tell him this time in the praise team begins to sing, if you have something to give to God, come and lay it at this altar today.
with them while they're getting what they need. darkness Tell him that today.
from you are all things. Far from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Can you give it to him today? You worthy, Jesus. You worthy of it all. You worthy, Jesus. You worthy of it all. We worship you. It's all in your hands, God. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. Just play what you know. You deserve the glory. God, we honor you and we give you praise and we give you thanks in the building. We lift your hand, our hands up to give you glory and give you honor. Your spirit is in this building. Lord, these people who have gotten free today, Lord God, I thank you for those who've gotten their breakthrough today, God. Oh God, we give it to you, Jesus. We lift you up, God. We, we give you glory and honor in this place and space. We recognize your presence. We don't go and just say the next part of the service comes, God. We stay right where you want us to stay, God. And I think you want us to stay here today. And so we're going to stay here and worship you for a second. Give, we give you glory and we give you praise. We give you honor and we give you glory. Lift up the name of Jesus. That shackles be broken, that burdens be loose, that people be set free and delivered in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise right where you are. Begin to pray to him. Oh, begin to bless the name of Jesus. Begin to lift him up. Begin to thank God. Begin to pray in the spirit for what God is about to do. Begin to pray for the word. God, we pray your word touches every heart and every mind for those who are online, those that are in the building, God. We give you glory. We give you praise and we give you thanks. Our focus and our heart is on you. Our mind is alert, God, only to your presence. We give you praise and thanks in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus. Lord, we press your name. We bless your name and we lift you up. You are worthy of all honor and glory, God. Depression can't stand in your presence. Sickness can't stand in your presence. Sadness can't stand in your presence. God, I declare in the name of Jesus, according to your word, that those who came in with infirmities and sicknesses, God, because they pressed their way like the woman with the issue of blood, I declare in the name of Jesus that they are free right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, we bless your name. Oh, it's so good to be free. I thank God for what he's been doing these past few weeks. I thank God for the spirit that is in this place, the power of the Can you feel the presence of the living God in this place? We lift you up, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Sometimes we look for music to make us happy. Sometimes we think we need every note and every beat to be perfect. But all God needs is a contrite heart and a broken spirit. That's all he wants. Is there anybody that's broken before God today and says, God, I'm ready to give it up for you, God. I'm tired of holding on to things. I'm ready to give you everything I have. I don't know how much time I have left, but for the rest of my life, I'll serve you. For the rest of my life, I'll give you everything. For the rest of my life, 
life, I'll give you glory. For the rest of my life, I'll give you praise. If that's you, begin to bless the name of Jesus for about 30 seconds. Begin to clap your hands and stomp your feet and open up your mouth and bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. You can come down, baby. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're worthy, God. Oh, we bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you that your spirit right now is working out some things right now that we know not of, but you know what you need, that person that is still seeking. I say, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Ask and it shall be given to you. Jesus has promised that everybody who asks it shall be given and everybody who seeks shall find. And to everybody who knocks, the door shall be opened unto him. He is going to give you what you're seeking for. Don't give up on him. Give him all you have right now. Hallelujah. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him and he will answer you. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. God, I feel your spirit. I feel your spirit. I feel your anointing. Glory be to God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless your name. I don't even know what my notes is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't even care. The Lord is here. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God, for being among us. Thank you for giving us your presence and being manifest among us. Thank you, Lord, for coming among us and manifesting in the worship. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us, oh, God. There's still somebody that's seeking you, God. And I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you tell them, yes, this is real. It's not a mistake. Yes, he's talking to you. I love you with an unfailing and an unconditional love. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter if you've gone astray. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's not, a, it's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. God is speaking to somebody in this building right now. It is not chance. It is not an accident. God wants your unconditional surrender. Oh, give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I be away, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just stick in the fire. If you stick in the fire, you're going you're gonna to catch on to. Just stick around the fire. Hallelujah, Jesus. Don't give up. Hallelujah. Don't give up because it's hard. Nothing worth having is ever easy. <laughs> oh, don't give up. Hallelujah. Just keep on around the fire. You might not feel it like everybody else does, but you just keep on coming and you keep on praying and you keep on seeking and God's going to set you free and he's going to set you on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 
Abba God, it's us again. Thank you, Father. You don't have to do it, but you did. You didn't have to send your son, but you did. You didn't have to heal sewer brain cancer, but you did. You didn't have to set Chrissy free from bondage, but you did. You didn't have to set Jamie free, but you did. You didn't have to set the people at the altar free, but you did. You're constantly doing things that you don't have to do for people that you don't have to do them for, but you do it because you love us. God, you didn't have to restore me and make me whole, but you did. God, I thank you for what you're doing, God. I thank you that this has become a hospital for the sick and for those who are hurting and that are seeking you, God, that they can feel your presence in the building. For those who are dealing with grief, they can feel your healing in the building, God. For those who are seeking and want to be closer to you, they can witness your presence in the building. Now, God, move me out of the way. Move all of my thoughts, all of my agendas, Lord God. They, they need to hear from you. They don't need to hear from me. Speak, Holy Spirit, through the bowels of your word, Lord God. That what is spoken will burn through the hearts of every man and woman, boy and child in this room that will listen today and those who are online or that will listen in the future. Lord, we thank you right now that you are already speaking and that you are already here, Lord God. I thank you right now that your presence is already moving. I thank you that deliverance has already taken place. I thank you, God, that revival is not on the way, but revival is here. I thank you right now, Lord God, that revival is moving throughout this church, and I pray Lord God, that it spreads like wildfire all throughout this city, all throughout this state, all throughout this county. In the name of Jesus, God, set this world on fire with the power of the Holy Ghost. For Father, I yet believe that all hope is not lost, Lord God. I yet believe that the world is not turned over completely to the enemy. I yet believe that you have a remnant of believers who have not bowed the knee to the world. Lord, I yet believe that you have have a church that you're coming back for without a spot or a wrinkle, without a blemish. I yet believe, God, that you have a church that loves you and is willing to praise you and give you everything we have. And we give you glory and honor for that in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody clap your hands and give God glory. Oh, you can do better than that. Do it for Jesus. Don't do it for me. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. To me, so wonderful <laughs> to me you are so wonderful to me you are so wonderful because you first love me <clears throat> oh 
how I loved you. Romans chapter 10. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. I know somebody's in a hurry, but he's here. To me, he is so wonderful. To me, he is so wonderful. To me, he is so wonderful. Because he first loved me. If you're seeking God, come to this altar. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, speaking of Israel, is that they may be saved. <laughs> for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. <laughs> for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. <laughs> for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. <laughs> but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who call on him. <coughs> For everyone who calls on the Lord, the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How then will they call in, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to bear, to, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the gospel. <laughs> but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. From this scripture, other related scriptures, I want to preach to you two words. Everybody say, for myself. For myself. For myself. The spirit is so thick in this place, I don't even want to move. In this text, Jesus, let's say keep praising him, keep praying. You can pray while I preach. There's a lot of things that <coughs> show up in this text. And what I was reminded of, I'm, I'm giving you today a pop quiz. Been through Romans for a long time, but... I want to give you some things, and I want to see how well you do in the pop quiz. It's going to be an interactive sermon. I want you to give the answer when I point to you. Adam and Eve ate a what? Some people say fruit. Some people say apple. How many people say fruit? Some people say, somebody said apple. Don't, don't, don't commit. Go ahead and commit. That's all right. Keep it. Commit. That's all right. That's all right. Blank is the root of all evil. Who says money? All right. All right. Everybody's committing to that. That's wrong, by the way. <laughs> the Bible says that there were how many wise men? How many wise men were there? Who said, how many say three? Somebody says this is a trap, but some people are being honest and answering. Okay. Blank the sinner and hate the what? What the sinner? You see how in one congregation we got so many answers? And almost every answer you gave was wrong. Pull up 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Where you going with this, Pastor? Pull up 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. When I said money is the root, what is the root of all evil? Everybody said what? We're going to have family feud today. Survey says 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. What does it say? For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil. But your love is. Now, the, we say that there were, most people, a majority said there were three wise men. The Bible never said how many wise men there were. I'm going to ask you another wise man question. How old was Jesus when the wise men came to him? Somebody says seven, eight? About two. 
about two years old. Most people want to say, well, don't you know the nativity scheme? The star came and they came in that night and they were there that very night. But the truth of the matter is, if you check the Bible, that Jesus had been here two years before the wise men ever got to him. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'll go back later and look at it. It talks about Jesus being born and that those people from the east, the Magi, seeing the star. They were from the east. It took them about two years when they saw the star to get to where Jesus was. That's why you see in the book uh, uh, of Matthew, if you go to Matthew 2, 16 through 17, go to Matthew 2, 16 and 17. It'll make a lot more sense when you read, Pastor, what does this have? I'm going somewhere. Matthew 2, verses 16 through 17. If you could get that, Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, what does it say? Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region who were what? Two years old or under. According to the time, they took it down, but you see it. That were how old? Okay. Now, we often say the Bible says to love the what? And hate the what? That is from the book of Second Confusions 5 and 8. That is not in the Bible. Why am I doing this? Because it's very possible to be passionate about something and be ignorant of what you are passionate about. To be passionately misinformed. That is what Paul is saying about Israel this morning. He says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. The zeal wasn't the problem. It was good. The, the, they were zealous, and there were even a group of Israelites called zealots. They were that zealous that their zeal and passion for God sometimes led them to violence. But Paul is saying that you are passionate, but you really don't understand. Your understanding of God is not necessarily incorrect, but it's incomplete. That when you understood God, you understood him according to the law, but the law was pointing. It was the schoolmaster, and it wasn't pointing to your works. It was pointing to grace, and because you have been following the law, you have been passionately misinformed, and you think that you can be made right with God by how much time you pay. You think you can be made right with God by how much you come to church. He says, you tithe gum and mint and urine and all these things but you overlook the weightier matters of the law. You try to get right with God by yourself and you are passionately misinformed. There's a famous person named Will Rogers. He says, there is not, it's not what people know that hurt them. It's what they know that ain't so. And it's very possible that when we look at things, we don't see the whole truth. And if we'll overlook those minor things in the Bible, how many of us are sitting in here thinking that we're saved and don't really know what salvation is? We've never read it for ourselves. We let somebody else tell us what it is. And many people today are doing what they call deconstructing. They are deconstructing their faith and they're, they're lost because they say the faith that my mother and father have, I see so much wrong with it. I'm trying to tear it down. But the truth of the matter is the faith they came to wasn't faith in the first place. They came to denominationalism. 
and postmodernity. They came to Methodism and, and, and ecclesiastical churches. They came to, to Baptist, baptism or Baptist churches. They came to Baptist doctrine. They didn't necessarily come to Jesus. They came to Pentecostalism. They didn't necessarily come to Jesus. And when they realized that they had been following the doctrines of men, the Bible says, study to show that what? Self-approved so that you won't be tossed to and fro with every wind and wave of doctrine. He says, Israel, I look at this and I commend you because you are passionate. You have a fire for God, but your fire is misplaced. You read it in the text. I bear them witness that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And many times when people bring up this scripture, I wanted you to pay attention because why? Because as soon as we start talking about Romans 10 and 9, every Christian shuts their brain off because they swear they know what it says. They don't pay attention to these sermons. But... If somebody's on the side of the road, this actually happened to me. I actually had the, the misfortune of having to be with somebody who was hit on a hit and run with a car on the side of the road. And there was nobody else there but me. And I had to pray over that person. And that person later died. I ask you a question. If that was you and there were only seconds between life and death for somebody, could you lead them to Jesus? Are you sure you could? Do you have the scripture for it? See, the problem was that Israel had it in their head, but they didn't have it in there. Paul is saying that you are making the gospel more complicated than it needs to be. You are adding rules that God never wanted you to make. You are adding laws that God never wanted you to make. By the time we get to Exodus chapter 20, God told them 10 things. By the time we get to Matthew chapter 1, there are over 440 different laws that they have made. They made for themselves a religious bulwark to be able to make themselves feel like they could be made right with God. I come to tell you, you cannot be made right with God by how good you are or by how nice your suit or how nice your clothes are. You can only be made by, right with God by submitting to Christ by grace through faith. You are saved, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. We overlook the gospel many times because we feel everybody knows just like everybody knew that other stuff that was on the screen, that all the other stuff that I asked you, well, of course everybody knows it. I asked you a question. How well do you really know what you think you know? Do you have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge? Oftentimes we overlook the gospel because we feel it's basic and everyone should know it. We don't realize that many professing Christians don't truly know the gospel themselves. And it is important for us to know the gospel and internalize the gospel because it is important for us to give the message of salvation to others that they might be truly saved. He says, my heart's desire is that Israel be truly saved. They have been trying to do it all on their own and they don't realize that God was giving them the law to point to the fact that they could not do it on their own and that they need to depend on Jesus Christ. God is letting you know no matter how good you are, you can't be good. And then he went back and had my inspiration, the writer to put this, if you break one law, you're guilty of all of them, which means no matter how good you can be, you'll never be good enough. 
That's antithetical to what they teach us today. They say you're, you're more than enough all the time and you're, you're powerful and you have all these things. Only through Christ Jesus are you that. Only through Christ Jesus is that the truth. And there is a difference between, everybody say there's a difference between having Jesus in your head and having him in your heart. There's a, there's a difference between having knowledge and having a relationship. There's a big difference between knowing that Jesus exists. The demons know he exists. They saw him. Every time Jesus shows up around a demon in the, in the New Testament, they, they, nobody, everybody else is uh, oblivious to who he is. He, he asks, who do, do men say I am? And they say all sorts of things. But immediately when he approaches the demon, what do they say? Son of God, have you come to torment us? They knew who he was. The demons know who God is. They know that Jesus is real. They believe and they tremble, but they will not be saved. Just simply believing with your mind is not enough. He says, in the what? Heart men confess and they are saved. What's the difference between us and them? They believe with their mind, but they don't submit with their. That's why people can say they saved and live any old kind of way and do any old kind of thing. They truly believe Jesus lived and he died, but there has been no heart transfer. They run around speaking in tongues and can't speak to the people next to them. Because there has been no heart. Is this helping somebody today? <laughs> Number two, everybody say, it is possible to be passionate about a thing and misinformed at the same time. How many of you got a little shocked today when you realized and looked on the scriptures that some of the things you thought you knew you really didn't know? That's why it's important. He says, study to show thy Self-approved. No matter what I say from across this pulpit, be a Berean. Search the word and the scriptures for yourself. I am a human. The Holy Spirit works through me, but it is indicative upon you to go every day, grab the Bible, and search the scriptures and the word of God for your what? Self. To examine your what? Selves. To see whether you be in the what? Faith. We Pentecostal people, we good about it. We know how to jump, we know how to run, we know how to shout, we know how to have plenty of zeal, but many of us don't have a look of knowledge. That's why people accuse us of doing weird stuff sometimes. If we just read the Bible, we know we're doing stuff we shouldn't be. We get in our flesh, and we're not led by the Spirit. I believe in all the gifts of God. I believe that the gifts are for today. I still believe in heal, healings and miracles. Well, I have to heal, I have to believe it because it's happening here, don't I? <laughs> Be hard not to believe in what's already happening in the building. Brain cancer didn't just make itself go away. God is moving in the building. I'd be crazy not to believe in those things, but we need to do it in a way in which we know the God in which we would serve. 
Don't get caught up so in knowledge that you get puffed up and proud, but don't get so caught up and passionate that you don't really realize the God in whom you're serving. When you finish shouting, when you finish speaking in tongues, when you finish moving, when we finish having a move like we had just then to where I could hardly open my mouth to speak, make sure that day to day you're lining your word up through a process called sanctification that our lives line up with the what? Word of God. Now he's saying, I bear them that they have a, rich, uh, uh, a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. But they didn't have a full of understanding of what it, co- it took to be made right with God. And because most people in most denominations, not just this denomination, not just this thing, most people, we, we argue over what people teach. Do you not know most people in most congregations are pretty ignorant of the Bible? That's why it's easy for charlatans to come in and preach whatever they want because they're preaching another Jesus. Pastor there's another Jesus. Pre- prove it. I said people accept another Jesus. They're passionate about following him. The problem is the version of the Jesus that they accepted does not exist. They've accepted what Paul calls another Jesus. Pastor, that's in the Bible? Yes, it is. Pull up 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 through 4. I don't pull up anything. I don't bag the Bible. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4. Let's see what it says. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to what? one husband, to present you as pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, y'all can read it with me, by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion. For if someone comes to you and proclaims what? Another Jesus. There are plenty of people proclaiming a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible. And they fill up churches, <laughs> they fill up sanctuaries, and souls are filling up in there, but all of them are not headed to heaven because they're following the wrong. Paul says if they preach what? Let's start at the top of there, it says for what? If someone claim, comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you receive, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Paul said, I got a problem. People come and preaching anything about God and the gospel, and you believe anything that goes. Whatever's on TBN, whatever's on the Word Network, whatever's on this network, or whatever's popular, or whatever t- preacher has because he got a big church and he's asking you for your miracle, anointing oil, and he's saying all this kind of crazy stuff, and you sending him money, and don't ever pick up your Bible to say, is any of what he says true? Of course it is true, Pastor. He got a big ministry and money, and he got thousands of people following him. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there'll be that find. But but narrow is the way to lead to God. And what? Few there be that what? Find it. You want to find a way to God? Look for a small crowd. Not necessarily numerically this way, but what I mean is that there are many people that are passionate about God, but they've never submitted about God to him in their life. Chrissy wouldn't mind me telling it, telling this. Chrissy, matter of fact, told it in her testimony. When I when I met Chrissy, I asked, "Had you been saved?" And she said, "Yeah, I th- I've been saved. I went to a real big church. I was in the in the faith for a good long time and things like that." And I asked her certain questions. I said, "You prepared to submit to God?" She said, "I'm not doing that. I'm not ready for that." I said, "Well, then you're not saved." She said, "But they told me I was saved." I said, "You're not saved." It took three or four years before me to finally say, "When are you gonna stop and realize that you're not saved?" 
If you can't submit to Jesus, you're not saved and you're going to lose your soul. The pastor has to tell people that sometimes it's time for you to stop playing with God and to be serious with God. Chrissy gave you this testimony. That's why I can tell it, tell it to you. And finally, you know what Chrissy did? She said, you know what? If I'm going to do it, she would. if I'm going to try it, I'm going to try it for real. Nobody's going to tell me this time. Send me all the scriptures you got on salvation. And I sent her the scriptures. She read them for herself and not across this altar. She wrote me a long message and said, you know what? I went through these scriptures and you know what I figured out? I had never submitted to Jesus. I wasn't saved in the first place. I said, I already told you that. But she said, if I'm going to do it this time, I know what the word said. And this time I'm going going to do it for real and I'm going to give him all my life because I want to be saved and she didn't do it across the aisle she did it at her own home reading the Bible God saved her right where she was sitting because she realized who the true Jesus was and she realized the true message of salvation And I may as a pastor not have 500 members sitting in the building right now, but that's okay. I know for sure I got at least one that's going to heaven that wasn't going to heaven two weeks ago, and that's all right with me. It's time out for us looking for big crowds and, and looking for all the other stuff and having all the passion and no substance. God is looking for a real church. That's why we locking these doors. It's time out for social clubs. This is not a social club. This is a sanctuary. This is where the living God comes to meet with us. And when we come in here, the prayers of the righteous avail as much. And we're going to devote time to prayer because God never said my house should be a house of praise and worship. He never said my house should be a house of lights and smoke and cool looking pastors and skinny jeans and, and relevant looking praise teams and the, and the best musicians money can buy. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all. It's time for us to stop playing with God and get back to the root and make sure that we examine ourselves to see whether or not we be in the faith because God is tired of pity-pat religion. God is tired of people coming to church and playing with him. He is looking for people who are serious. He is looking for people who are real and willing to follow him. And I believe we have that in this building. I believe we have a group of believers that are dedicated to prayer. Some more than others, but the others are on the way, and I'm proud of you. If you're not in the prayer team yet, you're at least respecting and allowing the prayer team to pray. And coming in, when you come in, you're respectful and bowing your head and seeking God for yourself. Why? Because I'm not looking for church as usual. I will announce this until the Holy Spirit tells me to stop. If you're looking for a usual church service, you're wasting your time. The Lord gave me a word, and I'm going to hold on to that word. The ordinary just won't do. Ordinary church won't do anymore. God is looking for a church with some power. God is looking for a church with some conviction. God is looking for a church where the Holy Ghost is moving. He's looking for a church where people are getting saved. He's looking for a church where people are getting filled for the Spirit. He's looking for a church where people will walk up and hand me their vape and say, Pastor, I'm giving up my vape and even be honest enough to say, I'm still falling, but I'm getting back up. You know what, Jamie? A righteous man falls seven times, but what makes him righteous is he gets back up again. He's... 
Hallelujah. Many people have walked away from the faith because they accepted a pa- and were passionate about a version of Christ, but neglected the true Christ. And though there, there were people at the time Paul is talking to that knew God and were passionate about the real and true God, the God Yahweh, but they had not gained the revelation of Jesus Christ yet. And Paul said, I don't want to go without them. Uh, he said last week, you heard him, if I could trade places with them and myself be lost, I would do it because I love Israel. Paul loved Israel and God loves Israel. And the Bible said that whom God lo- who blesses Israel, God will bless. We at this church love God's people because we love God and we love who God loves. But human effort given in the deepest sincerity cannot replace the righteousness that God gives by faith. We used to have this thing where we would test people's intellect. We'd get a big burly fella and we we say, hey, I want you to knock down that wall. If you can believe you can knock down that wall. It's good to pick a big fella like that. And he hitting that, he look at you like you were crazy and find a safe. You say, I can do it. And he ram into that wall and he knock into that wall as many times as he could, but the wall wouldn't come down. And I say, you want to see me want to knock down that wall? He had zeal, he had power, he had passion, but because he was only using those things, he was missing the mark. There are many people who have zeal about God and they have passion and power, but because they think they can be made right with God themselves and don't have to submit to him completely in faith, they keep beating their head up against a wall called works. Instead of walking through an open door called submission and faith. Mm. Paul says you're making hard. That's why he says don't he he uses a, a parallel that they would know. He goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Moses is, is asking some questions. And so the way Paul phrases this in Romans chapter 10, they would recognize it. He's saying that who would go up to heaven to to bring Christ down or who would come down to bring Christ up. In other words, he's just simply saying it's not that hard to know God. He says, you're making it harder than it needs to be. As a matter of fact, it's closer than you know. He says, the word is nigh thee or near thee, even in thy what? Mouth. It's as close as your mouth and your heart. Salvation is simple. God wanted a whole bunch of people saved. He didn't make it a complicated process. We make it a complicated process because we want to feel good about ourselves. That's why we say you you can't be saved unless you're baptized in this name, this way. You can't be saved unless you speak in tongues this way. You can't be saved unless you do this. You can't be saved unless you read from the King James. As if King James spoke Greek and Hebrew. I've had somebody ask me before, do you read from the King James? 
I said, I, I read from the Greek and the Hebrew. Got to read from the King James. But I read it from the Greek and the Hebrew. It's written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. But you got to use the King James. You see how quickly we can make things more complicated than they need to be? They're listening to me saying, I'm reading it from the original language. Not a scholar in it, but can open up a Hebrew and Greek lexicon and, and listen to scholars and figure it out just to make sure. And the King James is accurate. I'm not, I'm not knocking the King James. But what I'm saying is sometimes we make things following Jesus a whole lot harder than it has to be. You're going to come to Christ. You got to dress a certain way, look a certain way. Why? Because it makes me comfortable. That's what we really want to say. I want people around me that look like me and act like me and talk like me. I don't want unified. I want uniform. Who Jesus? Hallelujah. Got to be good because it's quiet. It hit me before it hit you. <laughs> Pull up Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 through 15. We're almost finished today. I'm going with what the Spirit tells us today. What does it say? See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. It's not in your clothes. It's not in your style. It's not in your particular fashion of music. Well, I don't like that gospel rap. I don't like this gospel this or that. We should do it the old time way. I'm pretty sure in first century B.C. they were not singing southern gospel. That's just, some, that's just the way you like it. So stop knocking people that do it a different way. Because it's not in the style of the music. It's in Jesus. We complicate things as humans when we take it out of Jesus and start adding our personal preferences to what it should look like. This church looks vastly different than many other churches. You know why? Because there's some of everybody in here. If everybody would come on the same Sunday, people would be highly confused. <laughs> I'm looking dead ahead of me as somebody who just finished ministering and her home is in Africa. Just to the back of her is somebody from Jamaica. Canadian Indian. Hillbilly. <laughs> Black. White. Some Eskenazi Jew. Indian. Puerto Rican somewhere running around the building right now where I don't know where he went. <laughs> and you know why it works? Because we're not centered on a certain type of music or a certain type of dress. We are centered on Jesus Christ. Amen. 
For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11, this is powerful. What does it say? In him also you were what? Circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Next verse. Having what? Been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God and raised from the what? Dead. Now, this is what we need to know right here. This is the gospel right here. Verse 13, what does it say? And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision in your flesh, he has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Verse 14 is powerful. I want you to pay close attention to that. What does it say? Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was what? Against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. Hallelujah. Taking all those other things and nailed them to his cross. It's easier than you think. The hard part is walking it out by faith afterwards. It's easy to walk through the door, but when you walk through the door, just know the enemy's mad and he's going to attack you at every hand. When you walk through the door to follow Christ, he says, I'm the door. It's easy to, to, to come to Jesus and to submit to him, but you got to be faithful unto what? Death. Not under your power. Because you didn't save yourself, so you can't unsave yourself. But guess what? He is faithful. He is faithful to keep you. Having what? Disarmed principalities and what? Powers. Well, now, wait a minute. This is for my, the devil is on my head, people, every week. The devil is on my head. He just beat me up. With what? What does that say he did? He disarmed rulers and authorities. If you go back and translate that and know what that is, he, Ephesians 6, come here, the Bible interprets itself. For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, the rulers of spiritual wickedness in what? High places. The devil has no teeth. We give him more credit than he deserves. The Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion not at he's not a roaring lion he goes by as a roaring lion because the real lion is the lion of judah he is the lion he is the one with the teeth he is the one with the power he is the one whom everybody has to bow to that even satan himself every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess quit going around telling people that the devil beating you up now you submitting to life but he greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world because the bible says here that he christ disarmed those authorities and disarmed those powers and put them to oh thank you holy ghost when they took jesus and they put him on the cross 
cross. They hung him without clothes. He was despised and rejected. That was the most shameful thing that could be done to him right in front of his mother with no clothes. He was put to open shame, but they thought they were putting him to open shame. They should have read ahead and said, whatsoever you sow, you shall also reap, because the enemy thought he was doing something by trying to get the Savior to the cross, but when he went to the cross, he took that shame and turned it around to glory and put them to what? Open shame. The shame they meant for Jesus. <laughs> the shame that they now endure. Because the enemy, Satan, is now a defeated foe. <laughs> the enemy is defeated. He can try, but he's already defeated. He can send his hellhounds, but I know a hellhound chaser. <laughs> He can try and he can roar and he can try to make you scared. He can even send bullets to your household. But when the God has his hedge of protection around you, he is a lion with no teeth. He did it by Trump triumphing over them in him. When Christ hung his head on the cross and said, Tetelestai, it is finished, it is accomplished, that means there's nothing else left to do. We have won, it is over with. We are now victorious through Christ Jesus. You are now victorious through him who bled and died and gave his life for you. You are now seated with him in heavenly places. You are now the head and not the tail. You are now above and not beneath, you are now the lender and not the borrower. Hey, Jesus. He seated you with him in heavenly places. That does not mean that trial will not come in life. Those that live godly must suffer persecution. It's not a might, it's not a maybe, it's a must. You will suffer persecution just like somebody going through a football game might be down for two or three quarters, but it doesn't matter if you're down three quarters, four quarters, and in, in 10 minutes. It only matters what the score is when the time ends up on the clock. And I read the end of the story, and when time is finished, John says, and the time ended, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down as a breath. Hallelujah. And at the end, guess what? When you look at the scorecard, Jesus won. And you won. You have victory. You are hidden with Christ in God, which means everything that belongs to Christ by inheritance, you receive it because you are Abraham's seed. You have victory in Jesus' name. Stop walking around with your head hung down. Stop walking around and defeat. Stop walking around like that. Do you know who Christ has made you to be? Stop moving around. Don't let death be the end of you when death comes and takes somebody you love because I know somebody that says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth and the power of death is under his feet. <laughs> it's time for believers that although we hurt when our loved ones leave, we can know the word and read the words and have it pronounced within our heart by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh death, where is thy victory? Oh grave, where is thy sting? but you got to know who you are. And the only way you know that, <laughs> you got to know him for you. 
Oh, you thought I wasn't coming back to that? <laughs> Where I come from in Mississippi, they used to say every tub has to sit on its own bottom. I can't, I can't live off of grandmama's Holy Ghost. I can't live off of my daddy's life. I can't live off of my mother's life. I can't get free from this. Sometimes prayer will free you. Sometimes you're living on the prayers of other people. But the true part of it is you've got to know him for yourself. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe him in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Oh, Jesus. Go to Romans 10, 10. Let's read that as we get ready to get out of here. Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the what? For with the heart one believes and is justified. We talked about that weeks ago. That's just as if I've never what? Sin. He says with the what? Heart one believes. You have to have a submitted heart to Christ. When you submit your heart to Christ, that's why I've changed the word accepting the Lord Jesus. Nothing wrong with that word if you want to use it. And I said, have you submitted to the Lord Jesus? Because when you accept the Lord Jesus, you, you go right over that word Lord. And that word Lord means kurios. It means controller, which literally means he's controlling everything. So in plain English, it means I'm submitting everything I have to Jesus. For with the heart one what? Believes and is justified. Not with the works. I want to see you every Sunday. I want to see you every Wednesday. But that's not going to save you. That's what's going to save you. I'm almost scared to say this for my lazy Christians, but if you miss a few Sundays, you can still go to hell. <laughs> Please don't miss a few Sundays. <laughs> Get this word. <laughs> but for with the heart, one what? Believes and is justified. You are made right with God through the submission of your heart. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Just like if you were drowning. When somebody's drowning, a lifeguard will tell you, I need to knock them out most times first. If I don't knock them out, what will happen is they're so scared, they get supernatural strength from adrenaline, and they might lock us up both, and we both die. So what he does is he comes up behind you, and he knocks you out and renders you helpless. Because once you're helpless, then you're available to be saved. Why haven't some people come to God, Pastor? They got too much money in their pocket. They live in too nice a house and have too nice a job. They in love. They like the way she walks, Brother Ernie. They like the way he looks. Their nose, like we say in the South, is wide open. Life for them is what? Good. Have you ever noticed that most people that truly come to Christ are at the What does the Bible say that God seeks? He seeks a broken heart and a contrite spirit. When you come to Jesus, you can have no pride. Pride goes out the window. People say that Christians are arrogant because you say your way is right. No, we're just knowledgeable that knowing our way is right. But we are the most unarrogant people, the true Christians that there ever are. Because the only way you can come to Christ is to be humble and realize I'm not good enough. I can't do it on my own. I have to submit to him. I have to become helpless. 
and when I'm weak. Be strong. Why do I need to know this, Pastor? I'm already saying, why do you need to know this? Because you need to know it powerfully. So when you run into somebody else, you can give it to him. It's time for God to do something. He's growing this church, and he's going to grow it even more, but he's not going to do it through me. He's going to do it through I'm not going to get the 20 and 30-somethings and the, and the 12-somethings. And we, I, I like the demographic of our church. It's, it's changing. He's not going, I'm not going to get the 40-somethings and 50-somethings. I'm inviting people to church, but the church is going to grow when you go and, and grow the kingdom and you make sure that your friends are saved and they need a place to worship and you bring your friends. But here's the kicker. Not just your friends. I got to tell you a secret. Come on in. Make sure you hear me. He wants your enemies too. Did you just say, you want me to pray for God to save my enemies? Yeah. But why? Because while we were yet sinners, Enemies of the cross. Christ died for us. I send you out of here today with a mission to go out into the hills and the highways and to the hedges and compel men to come. Not to another Jesus, but to the Jesus of the Bible. To our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Compel men to come with the truth. And it's not that hard. You just got the scripture right there. I need you to come to Jesus. How do you do it? You believe in your heart. Submit in your heart to Jesus. That's all you got to say. Submit in your heart to Jesus. And believe God is raising from the dead and you shall be what? Simple enough, is it? If it's that simple, I'll see you next week with quite a few more people. When everybody shows up, we really don't have as much room as we used to have. That's a good thing. Fill it up till we need a second service again and a third service and a fourth and a fifth and a new building and a new, and new property and new land. And another new building. And more property. And more land. Fill it up till we got to leave the city because there's no place in Royal Oak that's big enough to hold all the people that love Jesus. That the enemy can't sit in this city because of all the Holy Ghost filled, powerful believers that sit here that are praying to God and changing a world and a generation. Do you believe that today? I know this has been a different sermon. I know I'm giving a different approach. But I'm, I'm spirit-led. I'm going with what God gives me today. No pizzazz, no jumping up and down, no none of that. I'm getting over 40. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> the jumping is good, but sometimes we need to have some knowledge to go with our passion. Go get somebody for Jesus. 
I've been shocked the past two Sundays. This is the first Sunday in the past, what, two or three weeks that somebody has not come to church that I have invited. And I was shocked. You, you invite people to church and they say, I'm coming, and they never what? But they showed up. They may never show up again, but they heard what God needed them to hear. Invite them anyway. But don't wait to get to church to lead them to Jesus. Lead them right where you stand. Because you know God for. I'm flesh and bones, guys. I'm a regular man. A humble servant of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in me that's not in you. And now that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you and will quicken your mortal body. Go. Let's stand. Has this blessed anybody? If so, give God a hand clap of praise. I know it's unconventional and a different type of sermon, but I'm doing it the way. Sister Barbara, I'm going to just do it the way God tells me to do it. It won't be the same every week. It won't be cookie cutter. (laughs) But if I do it the way he asked me to do it, I believe that he'll do what he said he would do. As Brother Dave comes. So glad to have Evangelist Irvin and his wife again. They came to Bible study. They're coming along with us, and we're glad to have them. Give them a hand clap for being here. Let them know we love them. Brother Dave, you can go ahead. Praise the Lord, everyone.